All right. Hello, everyone. This is um, Hello. PKI Office Hours 44. Um, I'm still, I think we might have lost count on one, but I'm, we've just got this train rolling. So happy uh, to, uh, to do that. We've got quickly little introduction. Let's introduce the special guest here first. Um, you know, we've got to, otherwise it's just going to be popping up in the background and to be like, what is this, you know, what's happening here? So this is um, unknown name, um, but lovely dog, uh, excited to bring into the SpeakAI family. And uh, he's going to sit here and relax while we uh, do this office. <laughs> so quite the experience uh, for this first couple of days here. Um, and uh, appreciate you guys joining. Great to, great to see you. We've got some good topics here to go today. Um, I'm Tyler Bryden. I am CEO of SpeakAI, doing a lot of uh, you know, product development, uh, sales, customer success, fundraising. Oh, I know. I'm going to mute once I do uh, this. And uh, just very grateful to be here and have a lot of good things coming together personally and professionally. So. Uh, hi, I'm Lauren Collier, the uh, accountant and the administrator here. And I'm uh, just looking forward to having a good chat. Hey, I'm Nihal, the digital strategist here, uh, working on comms, outreach, and like Lauren, I'm also excited for a good chat. All right, uh, uh, this is Vatsal Sa. Uh, I was the last one, uh, but I'm, I'm trying my best to uh, join the office hours. Uh, it's exciting, exciting one. Uh, uh, this week, it was exciting one at the same time, exhausted one too. Uh, a lot of things were going on in parallel, uh, but uh, it was fun. Glad uh, we made it throughout the week and also seeing the happiness on the client's face. So that's what uh, made the week. Beautiful. And you know, that's why I'm interested. I saw, so I saw a LinkedIn post um, earlier this week at some point. And then also one of the topics that you're bringing to the table is talking about, I mean, you're, first of all, you're an engineer, a developer. Um, and, and what you're thinking about is, you know, uh, I guess over-engineering of um, uh, product, adding, uh, you know, too much complexity um, or, you know, just adding too much in terms of fe features without solutions. So be interested to hear and just sort of talk about what you're seeing from your perspective, what, you know, inspired you to, you know, put this as a topic and also as a post. Um, yeah, set the table for you and happy to chat a little bit about that. All right, just one second, I'm almost there. Uh, so as I think so reading something and I, I found uh, also in like past experience seeing, seeing the same uh, questions uh, from, you can say from the investors or you can say from the tech leaders and uh, also who are coming from this enterprise experiences. And uh, I wouldn't say uh, about the experience, how the early stage companies work, or like how the two environments and the two cultures are different. Uh, but I mean, uh, there are so many people uh, who would be agree or disagree with the, the idea, but when you go to the engineering team in any department, uh, what, I, what I said about this, this article uh, on, uh, it's like, don't over-engineer uh, your product. And because what happens sometimes you try to do it best. Uh, uh, and it's like, sometimes product get killed. It's more about because of the over-engineering, not even because of the absence of good development practice. So don't try to do that. And that I put the couple of points, which is like, 
we are, I mean, we are all young. We are always trying to do, oh, this is trending on X or Y platform. Uh, we heard this. We saw 15 people like that. 20 people retweeted that. Or uh, 15 people commented on my post. This is pretty cool. Uh, but that sounds cool. Uh, but you need to keep it aside from the engineering or the product uh, at the same time. Because what, what uh, in the early stage companies, when you are building the product, uh, I personally feel that understand understanding about why do you want to implement that trend? Why do you want to implement uh, that best practice? Does does that fit with your with your product? Does that fit with what you want to accomplish? Uh, and if that's if if it like, let's say if those best design patterns or the libraries which you are trying to fit if it doesn't help, then just don't do it. You don't need to show off showcase. Uh, to other people that oh we are so cool because this is trending and we are also using that so that's that's things to understand uh, to stay neutral uh, when building a product and also sometimes this is more the premature optimizations happen a lot of on the engineering end because what happened that we find some problem and it also involved myself too and uh, I used to thinking. I, I used to be thinking like, oh, what if I implement X or what if I implement Y because I'm gonna need it in three months or six months. Uh, but that is not every time it is required. You don't need to premature optimize the product. Let the problem come on the table. Wait for that because sometimes you think about it. Okay, that's good because you are thinking in that direction. But not all the time. You don't need to waste your time to optimize your product prematurely uh, because that is also not good for, for uh, the, the product uh, or even the business end. Okay, that might gonna help, that which is very high, 50% probability that might help or might not occur, that issue which you are trying to uh, optimize. And uh, it's basically what I'm trying to convey here is Technology should and must provide a simplistic solution to the customer. That doesn't matter what you are doing behind the scene. If it is not solving your problem, uh, I mean, customer's problem, not, nothing matters at the end of the day. And uh, this is a graph if you see. Uh, and uh, I mean, if, if someone is watching on the engineering end, they would definitely agree with this. It's like when you start your career, you, you write the simple code, okay? Because you don't have enough experience you try to be simplistic. But as you learn, because of your, I would say the patience or I mean, uh, passion towards do something, or even, you know, because you read articles, you go to the conference, you meet different people, and you heard this different design patterns or the technologies or the libraries, and you try to work on that and you create the complexity of the codes unnecessarily. And that, and, and, and over the time, I mean, I would put myself here over the time you realize that you don't need to write the complex code because you want to, you know, it's sort of the bodybuilding because when you when you do the bodybuilding, you try to show off to the others, which is very physically visible. But in the code, you just want to show how smart you are, but that is not, it's not how to the companies or over the time to other people or other developers, because you might have write so complex code, they just need to garbage it. It's very simple option, a button called delete. It just goes away. All your whatever, 50 weeks of work or six months of work. And over the time you try 
you see the super simple code, you try to uh, do that. So, I mean, I, I, I was reading something and it triggered, it's like, this is uh, needs to be addressed or this is very required and uh, need to understand at what stage you are dealing, what you are doing. Uh, and this just comes from the experience. It's nothing, it's nowhere written in theory. Uh, so yeah, I hope you guys have found uh, something uh, meaningful out of it and that might help. You this week had uh, Nibidi join the team and sort of onboarded her uh, into the system of Speak AI. Um, you know, from our, at least from, I think our team, you know, from Nihal, Lauren, uh, and I's perspective, it seems like she came in, understood things quickly and made a pretty good impact in one week, which is, you know, exciting from our perspective. And when you sort of pointed yourself out, you know, on the curve of that graph and the complexity of code, you put yourself, you know, more on the, the piece. Do you think that's reflected in Speak AI? You know, from an optimization standpoint, how do you look at the code or, or what you've built at Speak AI? And then, you know, obviously the other part is that there's, just to add on to it, I'm wondering like the general task that sometimes people are trying to accomplish with Speak AI is relatively or even fairly complex. So then that sort of builds abstractions or, compl or complexity within the solution and then the engineering of that solution. Uh, so maybe, yeah, just some thoughts on that. Yeah, so so for example, we onboard Navidita uh, and, and see, see work on the code base and it is like under 40 hours. These are very complex code bases. We have built either the front end or the even also the back end, right? And uh, think about as a business, what is important is like you need the output at the end of the day, right? Doesn't matter you are putting 400 hours or 40 hours. If you don't have the output, you don't have this execution, nothing matters. Uh, so what help also for the Nivedita, uh, the, the, the architecture, what we have built to try to use the words which make sense to even the normal person. Okay, you're not gonna write the logic as a, a normal human, or if you're not the non-developer, I would say, uh, but if you're the developer, you can get it, you can understand, you can feel that this is yours. This is, this is, this is uh, you have written, right? So that makes the connection with the code and yourself. So uh, in my view, that's what makes more important to understand the code easily and then you're gonna start making the impact uh, uh, rapidly. And the second point you had is the complexity. So of course, it does contain the complexity, uh, but it, it, you need to understand over the time. You don't need to understand in the first 40 hours. You don't need to understand in first 80 hours. You come to those complexity within a month, right? And meanwhile, you build that confidence, you build that understanding, you understand how the system flows, and then everything just makes sense. Even though it is so complex, the things just make sense. Oh, I know where it's supposed to be. I know why, so what's happening. But if I try to tell you that, hey, can you work on X component? It's like, it's just gonna not make any sense. It's like, what I'm doing here? What is happening, right? So it's sort of the flow you need to set uh, a path uh, to make them fly. Nihal, any thoughts on this part specifically? Oh, I just, you know, I guess just, you know, one thing that's sticking out to me lately, like, you know, for example, there's a, a dog here right now. And then it's like, you have a function that you need a dog, like very simple. It's like, I need a collar for this dog. You know, it's a very simple function, like a thing around the, the dog's neck so that it could attach to a leash. And then there's a product that is delivered and there's a need. 
um, that's made. And I've experienced the same thing with purchasing, you know, purchasing the house. It's like, oh, you need a lawyer for this. You need a real estate agent for this. And I'm guessing it's just like, you know, I get, I was a little bit inspired by this week of this jobs to be done sort of framework. And we, I, now I'm adding complexity to this whole conversation. But what I'm trying to get at is there's a lot of uh, simple jobs that people are trying to get done and speak, but then there's like layers of things that are built on top. And then there's more abstract or challenging tasks that people are also trying to accomplish with speak. Um, and, you know, in some cases, it's really nice because you're solving these complex technical problems and it creates value with the system. But then other times you get sort of like, not jealous, but you look at a solution that's much more simple, where if that's what you could have, you know, if we had chose, you know, a, a specific widget or a certain, you know, very, very tight niche of a customer or something, it's like, maybe the solution is viable within six months, and then you don't even need to continue engineering it or innovating on it kind of thing. So, you know, I think we've sort of, uh, you know, both purposely and unpurposely delved into a very complex world of language and speech and analysis and all these things, which again, creates value, but adds complexity and a lot of need for ongoing work. And then what you said is technical development and then even maintenance of that to make it uh, more viable. When it, when it comes to over-engineering or, or I guess engineering the right amount, do you think um, there's overlap or, or does, it, does it play a, a role on the front end and how the customer experiences the product as well? Or is that more of just a back-end management issue normally? Like obviously everything's interconnected, but I guess how closely- yes, it absolutely it does because what you're seeing on the front end, it is sort of who you are. Consider as a who you are, that's your soul. That's your uh, who you are from inner body. So that's what you're gonna try to represent to the world. It's the same story. The code is just the, the sort of the, uh, the skeleton of the body. And what you're trying to display, if, 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 you, if one of your bone is broken, you're gonna, you're gonna see right away that, oh, its hand is not working properly. His eyes are in it to be respects because those components are not properly uh, developed or you overdevelop those components, which wasn't required. You just need what needs to be there. And uh, that also makes also the customers life easier that, oh, I know where, where what I'm doing here or I know uh, what I'm looking here. Otherwise I just create the complexity at the same time because it's coming from the code, uh, nothing, nowhere else. I mean, I mean Nihal has done like an excellent um, job for marketing some of these paths, but like I would say one of the examples we'll see is like someone types in on Google, convert audio to text. And it's like, that's their job to be done. You know what I mean? They're, they're trying to hire this transcriber in a way to replace, you know, so they don't have to do it themselves. And then they get into speak and there's all these other components or things that don't necessarily get in the way, but in some cases do probably get in the way, add sort of cognitive load to the experience and just like sort of make a very simple task more difficult than it possibly even needs to be. And it's like some people we've had say like, why I don't want to see the, you know, I don't want to see the insights first, just show me the transcript or, you know, cool that it does all this, but I just need to get the transcript. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a good thing. It's an opportunity because we've flown, you know, people have flowed through the system and then because of the configuration of our platform, they've had a breakthrough about transcribing that's then made our platform more valuable. But in some cases we do make the actual path to their original goal uh, more complex, but then, you know, that's but the, the, the part connected here is because we also 
develop the things uh, with the time, not before the time, right? Because uh, the, the definition of the scope of uh, what is the custom category were developed over on the, I mean, I would say it wasn't predefined scope that what exactly the system does look like, right? It was like, we learn through the process, uh, what the customer needs and we try uh, to create uh, less complex as much as we can uh, to the system, right? So uh, that's called also the depth of the code uh, because there are so many things can be optimized. Uh, it's only uh, that there are two, two, two variables. One is the cost and another is the time. So either or you need to manage that. Okay, when it is a time, you need to wait or you need to hire more developers or engineers to recreate or make sure those things are working or it's vice versa with the cost because it's also going to cost the business at the end of the day. So it's, it's very much, these three dots are very much connected uh, and you need to compromise one of the factors. Yeah, and I think we've run, been both successful and, you know, um, not as maybe, you know, not executing on it as well as we would like. But like, you know, again, you, you used the examples, the custom categories, and it's like, that came up because someone transcribed something, saw that they could analyze it, and then said, hey, I'm actually looking to pull or extract this out. So then you build in that layer. And, you know, we have people and, you know, won't dump, jump too much into it, but sort of this sort of shareable interactive media library. And it's like pushing our system to the limit in a way that we originally envisioned. Like, you know, not just yeah. Not just the actual transcripting part it's everything it's you know literally the interactive library using custom categories extracting keywords and phrases out that our default categories aren't doing and so i think there's a really exciting moment where you're working with certain customers who are pushing your system to the brink and there's a different kind of like product market fit when you work with them and then also find some people who are pretty visionary with how they take they sort of came across the system used it and saw you know potential and opportunities so um, you know, it, it's just the difference in customers and the people who are flowing into our system. And it makes a big, uh, a big impact on the path that they have, how we make them successful. And then, you know, how even attuned the platform is to their needs. And also it's sort of the ongoing process because even the engineering or the development are, are never ending process. You would, because you need the improvements, you need the optimizations, you need the security. Uh, if you add all of this factor, uh, something else pop up. So uh, you might need to create the whole uh, business segment out of it. It's like, oh, we have this vertical. Now we want to build in X vertical now or X, uh, you know, business sector and how we can evolve product from there, which is already, you know, working. So it's sort of the ongoing process uh, where you need to be alert, I would say, in your day-to-day. -day. Otherwise, uh, that, that compound effect could hurt or uh, hurt a business uh, quite a bit if you're not alert what you're working on, what you're doing uh, with those things. I'll just, you know, we'll wrap, wrap this topic up, but it yep. is like, it's pretty, pretty crazy to me, the complexity of, you know, what, you know, not only us, but people have figured out through, you know, that a, a human can make a, you know, make a sound that is interpreted as language that then technology can use to, you know, convert that into words, build into this platform, and then, you know, uh, bring a real person from a transcriber team to clean that up, 
like the, the, the layers of complexity from is, is incredible. And I can't believe as a civilization that we've actually gotten this far. So very excited to be just a small part of that and, you know, finding some pretty, you know, interesting things uh, within those, those groups. So, um, you know, Nihal, I, I've got a couple of interesting topics here. Um, I'll let you pick whichever one you find is most interested, but obviously, you know, you and I had a pretty fun, uh, fun week. Um, some good, uh, some good lessons, uh, some good things. So we'd love to hear uh, what you're thinking on your end. Sure. So this week was interesting in that, um, you know, we, we talked about it on our last uh, office hours as well, um, where we were, we planned to start our kind of sales outreach and uh, finding, you know, people to talk to, get feedback on our product and clients as well. Uh, and two things that uh, surfaced, well, one that's just kind of funny is the fact that you know, working in a global market, um, having a general awareness of what's happening in other countries where our clients might be, potential clients might be, is is very important. So we kind of learned that the hard way by sending out a whole bunch of emails only to realize like 30 minutes after we sent them that it was American Thanksgiving and most people were already logged off till next week. So that that was that was definitely a fun little revelation. We had a chuckle, and you know, it's <laughs> kind of sucks that that we never caught it in the first place. But it, hopefully, it makes for a, a funny follow up after the fact. Um, and the second part, I think it was something we talked about while we were drafting these emails uh, and attempting this kind of first mass round of outreach that I'm not sure if we've done before, uh, and if we haven't, this is like a first first attempt at it, um, where, you know, we want to always find this fine line between being salesy or being spammy or, you know, bugging people, right? Like, I feel like that's a very big concern that we have just as people. Uh, but one thing that I've been hearing a lot lately, and like, you know, I had a conversation with a friend recently where this whole concept of you know, you don't really get what you want unless you ask for it, right? Um, and you don't need to be mean or rude or, you know, annoying when you ask for things. But it, it's just, you know, how, how would people know what you want if you don't ask for it, right? Um, and one thing you said that I liked was, you know, the fact that even if, let's say, no one responds or no one engages the first time, for the most part, that is one, per, one more person that is aware of what we're doing today that wasn't aware of what we're doing tomorrow. So even though it's a 5%, you know, even though we wanted a hundred percent and we maybe only got 5%, it's still a step forward, which, which is great, right? Both from just a learning perspective for us, but also for the business and uh, us as professionals in the field, I suppose, which, which is, which is a nice, nice way to view it, you know, and mitigate some of the, uh, the the losses the l's you might take along the way um, and the third point is just th this whole idea of actually overcoming your fear of outreach and you know which is tied to which is tied to oh i don't want to bug people so instead it's just if you view it more from we're trying to provide value and you actually try to get that point across as best as you can that isn't a concern you should have because if someone a doesn't find it useful they'll probably not either not respond or they might tell you hey i'm not interested right now so rejection sucks but it's not the end of the world right 
uh, and I, I think those are three three little notes that uh, that were that that came out of this week that I that I thought were interesting. Uh, I would love to jump in. You might say, uh, uh, "Me smiling a little bit when we're talking." Uh, there are three points. Number one, uh, I, I listen and watch also a lot of podcasts on the startup or even uh, on the journey of all these people. The one thing I found in common across all these founders, uh, you can consider the Airbnb one or even the Mark Zuckerberg or the Uber. One thing they have in common, wherever they go, they always talk about the product unless the other side of the person gets started annoying and they start complaining about now enough. You gotta stop now. Uh, wherever we go, you talk about the same thing but it has the ripple effect, right? Because that those things stick to your mind about that product, about what they're doing. And even if you get a chance, read about the Airbnb story. Of first six months, they, they go to the market uh, by themselves, all these founders, and they bug the people. Hey, we have this product. Are you gonna use it for this renting and everything? And uh, that's why I was laughing because uh, if you're not bugging people enough, you are not doing your job properly in the sales uh, unless until you're not, you know, annoying someone is like, now, Nihal, you're going to stop email. Otherwise, I'm going to complaining to someone, you know, on the, <laughs> so something like that. So I, I don't know. It's, it's not supposed to be any fear or any embarrassment about uh, sending those email or even talking about uh, what you're doing or, or uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, because I think to that point, like even if you let's say you talk about something and someone doesn't understand, right? It it yeah. it's it's a signal to you or to us that we need to improve our messaging, right? It's a signal yeah. that we need to improve how we talk about our product and actually letting people understand what we're doing, right? And for example, I, I think we're doing a lot of work or moving towards that a lot more within mm -hmm. the app itself, but also you know, constant, and we've done a, a, quite a bit of work on that on like the marketing side, the website side, but even just mm -hmm. constantly improving that, right? Like your messaging yeah. is never static. It's, it's always- but how are you going to know that? How are you going to know exactly. that? Exactly. Unless you don't, like, well, to your point, right? Like if the more people that come to you and they're like, can I do this? Or, you know, does your, does your app do this? Does your software do this? Because um, we've had questions, I think, where sometimes you're like, in your head or when we look at the messaging we're like okay that's pretty clear that we do this but then we'll have customers come in and be like oh do you do this and and it's like no <laughs> right but but uh, at the flip side that's of that, a that's a good side of it right because that's a good side of because it because yeah. in that sense okay yeah. that we know that what things are not working that we only need to focus uh on whatever the 10 percent yes. or even 15 percent yeah. of things yeah. instead of 85 exactly Exactly. And then the flip side of that is also just sometimes like, is a user error, right? Like we've had definitely, we've had times where people just don't read, right? Um, so, but you can't blame end users. It's just more like, okay, if they, if let's say they are that, that population where all they see is the headline, right? Is your headline doing enough to tell them what they need to know, for example, right? So, so it's, uh, it's it's been an interesting week. Like when I was I was just chatting with my friend about you know doing a bit of sales work as well. It's like, uh, it's it's uh, it's a nice learning opportunity, even just from a 
comms perspective, because ideally at the end of the day, right, as we generate our messaging and as we build out our different communications channels, this helps us understand how to, you know, approach a sales prospect with our messaging versus let's say a social media post with our messaging versus just translating all of that into website content, for example, which, which I think is great. And, and then obviously ultimately into our product. Also, Tara can talk, but we're not going to uh, say the name. Uh, uh, but uh, Tara had the personal experience when he went to the tech TO, and uh, one of the founders was constantly talking about the same thing. Uh, uh, and it's like that what makes them, uh, to be honest, great is because they're bugging people and making sure uh, those, those names or the product uh, uh, gets in their nerve. Uh, it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, Tara. Oh, just, I mean, very insightful, um, you know, just talk about this whole thing, which was, you know, so Nihal, besides the um, out of office messages that I got, um, uh, there are, I did get, I think, uh, you know, I would say about a 1% conversion rate on a positive response about someone who wants to actually try out the platform. Um, so say a small sample set, 100 people, you reach out, you try to do your best to personalize those messages. Um, and again, with the right timing, with the right messaging, uh, you know, what I, I think you need to also be confident in and, and the way that, you know, you reframe it. And, and I actually had sort of a revelation this week when Basalt and I had the meeting with our one client and we, you know, I'm really excited about the Cheryl Media Library. It's like, I'm, this is amazing what th this is capable of. And like, when you're proud of what you've built and like the capabilities are, it's not really bugging someone. You know what I mean? It's like, this is, this like, uh, you know. When you say it's educating someone? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think, you know, even like what Nihal said is, you you know, people are very busy, especially, for the, you know, Thanksgiving and stuff, but it's like, what we're doing, you know, I, I think, I mean, obviously it's subjective, but objectively is quite fascinating. And even by the way that we're outreaching and showing like what's capable, it can help people just have a little bit of a shift of mindset of like what's possible with some of the technology and, and innovation today. And um, uh, you know, again, maybe not everyone responds, but I feel like at least in our message, like I'm looking at the message right now, sort of the outreach and it's like, that's a good first impression. That's a good first, you know, like, um, foot forward to represent who we are. We're passionate about this. We want to help you solve problems. This is coming from experience. And, you know, we, you know, if, if, if you're interested in this kind of work and, you know, hopefully they are because of the right people we're messaging, um, we're confident that we can create some value here. And, and that feels good. I don't feel embarrassed about the messages. Now, you know, my first iteration of it was probably four or five sentences longer and it's getting tighter and tighter. I also think, you know, um, what I see here is like, you know, basically saying like, we're hoping to support, you know, people like, you know, like you, fantastic teams like yours. And, but then I give, I would say a quick bullet point list of sort of four things. And they're all like pretty crispy, quick, cost-effective automa automatic professional transcription, you know, so like they're all points that are exactly relevant to what we're doing, but even it's that same idea of marketing. Like when you're, you only want one CTA or one thing, like even by giving four things, are we, am I, are we creating value there? Or are we just creating confusion and people don't know what we're specializing in or what they should be adopting most? So like a lot of lessons to be learned in iterations from this process. But I like the way Nihal is looking at it too, is like, the feedback that we're going to get from this, this, this reverberates through our entire communication strategy, through our marketing, through our product development, the feedback that we get, even testing some experimentation this week through some outreach on Twitter to some audiences. Um, 
and you know, I sent them a message and they say, oh, this is interesting. Currently I use this product and it's helping me do this, but I'm, I'm at this, I wish it would do X. So it's like that sort of formula starts to come and it's coming from real world data and real world people instead of the theory-based stuff that sometimes you have when you're not on this, on this constant outreach. And just like one last part I thought about, which is like, <laughs> I told Michal this, it's like being, I love watching podcasts, like, you know, Tom Segura and all these comedians and they talk about writing a joke and they laugh and they think it's so funny. And then they go on stage and they tell that joke and no one laughs. And it's like, until you put that thought or that, you know, into the real world, you have no idea if it's valid or not. Um, so for us to get this feedback, whether it's positive or negative, um, it's going to help us iterate uh, very quickly. So that's an exciting part of the journey. We've got a nice system that we're building up. We're outreaching to the right people and we'll continue uh, to, to get better at it. I also have one belief between the education and health. Uh, and uh, there are so many people who wants to learn something new or educate themselves. Uh, but in my view, that is the ratio is so high in the world where people needs help rather getting the education because they might stuck somewhere. They, they want help either in the business. Uh, I mean, let's put the business right now. It's like, you know, they, they need help in the businesses rather, hey, I have enough education. If you can help me, uh, let's do it. So, I mean, it's more about helping people also than educating them sometimes, isn't it? Because in the businesses, they are definitely educated enough. That's why they are doing business or probably smart enough uh, uh, in that sense. Listen to uh, a podcast this week from, it was Gong, but they did the podcast with the CEO of HubSpot. She's an, she's a, she's an awesome lady. And really talked about the transition from them to the model of sales, which is like funnel, which is like, you know, you drive someone through marketing to sales. And at the end, it's like, you know, you hit the gong and the relationship is done. You know what I mean? It's just like, you got the sale. Yeah. And how they transition to this flywheel perspective where it's like, you know, you're, you're the, the more, what she said is customer acquisition, customer acquisition is less important than customer retention. And that's like such a beautiful perspective to have. And I feel like as a team and, you know, even the way we've built this, it's like, we're not just trying to sell people on a solution that doesn't create value. Our goal is actually like to unlock this on an iterative sort of process of breakthroughs. Once you start using the technology and applying, you know, speech to text and natural language processing to the kind of media that you're generating. And then- Isn't it depend on the packet size? I mean, I, I, I think at the, at, the, at the core level, what I feel proud of is that we're not, we're not trying to sell something that is unnecessary or doesn't create value just because we can, because we're, you know, what, it, it, when we put the right sort of mechanisms in place, we're selling something that can create a lot of, lot of value. And it just, you know, basically at the end of that podcast, they asked her, you know, two words, one word, how do you define sales, successful sales? And she said, providing value. Uh, and you know, that, that it makes sense. And this is the CEO of HubSpot who was a massive organization who transformed how we think about sales and customer success and relationships. And even as you brought that up, that, so I'm like looking at my email that I was outreaching to people and I'm like, this is nice, but like, what help am I providing? You know, it's like, here's what we can do to you, but truly like, you know, how can I give you an insight or value right away instead of just sort of more here's what we do and here's how we'd like to help. So trying to reframe that even for the next round of outreaches when people aren't eating turkey. Uh, so, uh, yeah. 
do you actually know like what they need help with do you actually know what to address like right off the bat or is it more like hey how you doing this is what we do that's the problem and i think Niho and i had this experience not the problem but it's that the trade-off which this week is like we we have a really good you know group of people that we based on who's using the system to date who we're, we're creating value for and again some maybe are using automated transcription some are using professional transcription but then there's the far tipping point, which we have a, a couple teams or especially one team that I talked about earlier this week, which was just like pushing our system to the edge and they fit in this bucket of customers and the ideal people that we're reaching out to. So we've got like, you know, we've narrowed in on like what that value is. Now, there's a huge difference between, I would say, maybe a director of research um, at a small firm in Toronto versus uh, a senior uh, qualitative researcher at, at Facebook slash Meta. You know what I mean? There's a big contrast in like where the value is being produced. And sometimes we're trying to bridge the divide between that. And I think in that case, you really need to personalize the message. But, you know, Nihal and I were saying like, this is six, you know, six to 15 to 25 minutes to personalize this message really, really, really hard down. And I think that's something that we would like to do. And as we can scale up our team, we will, we will. But right now it's like, I just, you know, how can we get this message pretty personalized and valuable and reach more people at a quicker rate? And that's sort of the trade-off that's being made right now. Yeah. Cause like I, I, the first round was just, you know, cause we were trying to figure out this, well, Tyler figured out this, the, I guess, partial automation of it. Um, obviously we still try to be somewhat personalized, but when you find someone, you do the research on them, you try to send a message that hits close to home and like, you know, makes it seem like you actually, well, not makes it seem like you actually did your research. Um, it, it, it takes so long, right? Like you, you'll basically send five to six really nice emails that might not even hit. Um, so it's, it's, it's that trade-off of like, you know, you start off just trying to hit as, you know, throw as many darts and hit as close to the, the bullseye as possible. And then when you, as you get your practice in and you build your sales team, eventually you can actually have people being, you know, all you need to do is like really get to know these 10 people and like bring them on board. Right. And then next week, same thing, know these 10 people, bring them on board and like so on and so forth. Um, so find, finding that line in messaging between being too vague and you know, too personal. It's like trying to get somewhere right in the middle. It's always, it's always a, a challenge, but a good one. It, it really forces us to think about what is necessary and what are the, the elements of our messaging that we can just forget about, right? Like people don't care right at the start. Yeah. If you connect the first point we had about the code engineering, which is not always aligned with uh, the coding or development, but if you put in this sense, uh, or even the premature optimizations, which is like, you know, isn't it poor engineering when you are trying to optimize something uh, where the job needs to be done framework was like, you know, hey, let's send hundred people's email. Let's see what's working, what's not working and, and or maybe a thousand people uh, to get that round figure uh, uh, and see what's working. Or at the same time, over engineering the sense of, uh, takes seven days to write or send, or take seven days to send 100 email or 50 email uh, because the process is over engineered uh, uh, to create that value. But it's, I mean, again, it's a trade off, but it's always been like that. So 
where does that fit? Uh, do you guys ever like reach out to like friends or acquaintances of customers we already have and uh, have any interest in doing like referral kind of programs? I think, you know, one of the, um, one of the books that, you know, I know Nihal's read, that's what I think you read too. I read Crossing the Chasm talks about sort of like the, we talked about it in the one call, but like the sort of D-Day approach where you pick a piece of land, you target it. And then you go and like what they're saying is one of the most important parts of that strategy is like a reference customer, basically, who matches the qualities, size, needs, challenges that the people that you're reaching, you're reaching out to. And we're lucky. I think we have a, some opportunities with some good reference partners who actually really appreciate what we do as a team and then deliver. Um, so I, so, and I, I think that's a thing that we also don't necessarily take advantage of sometimes, which is. Now, between all of us four here, there are some amazing connections that we've built who have followed our journey. And it's just that idea of asking, like, reach, like reaching out to, you know, I, I think maybe 5,000, 6,000 people on LinkedIn. Many of them are maybe not that close, but there's a lot of people who would love to support. And it's just like the right ask at the right time um, that could trigger something. And especially if you make that ask in a, you know, in a, in a valuable way. So I think we do need to take advantage of more of that. I think, you know, as we refine where we're creating value, the, our, our messaging will get, our messaging and our asks will get even more valuable. And uh, like, we'll see, we'll see success there. And like, one thing I, I mean, I've talked about this before, but that experience that I had when I was with six, five, um, reaching out to nonprofits, you know what I mean? And it was like, it, it was systematic growth that was being unlocked that, you know, I, I never fully saw to its potential, but it was already there where it was like this nonprofit with a size of this many, at least this many years of incorporation, this much in revenue slash budget per year, and uh, could find their information on, you know, the CRA website with all the verified information and just reach out and, and give a very strong value proposition say, hey, there's this Google ad grants program. It's $120,000 USD a year and free advertising. Would you like some help setting this up? It's going to be like 10,000 people to your website every month based on the searches you want. And it was almost like such a good offer that it was almost like Nigerian Prince offer. Like I would say that the pushback sometimes was like, this sounds too good to be true. Um, but like, how can we get speak to be that? You know what I mean? Like, how can we get speak to be close to Nigerian Prince uh, in the, the value um, that we're creating? So that's something that I'm trying to think about from that perspective is there's some work to do, um, but with the right references, with the right case studies and showing and highlighting the people who have really gained value from our system, um, I think we can get there. It's just gonna continue to take some, some work and optimization on our, on our side. Cool. We're coming up on yep. time here. That's all, you good? Okay. Uh, I guess just something that came together this week that touches on a couple of these threads um, was these, you know, sort of going into production here are these intercom um, product tours. And it really does sort of, I think, you know, it, it, it sort of connects to all the conversations that we've had here today and, you know, on an ongoing basis, which is how do we provide value for people? How do we educate them? How do we take what is sometimes a complex task and make it more simple, make it more understandable and really reduce some of this, like, it's not there, but it's like alien technology or feel of that when you're maybe logging into the system for the first time and, you know, unlocking sort of a new paradigm for how you're interacting with audio, video, and text data that 
not a lot of people have, you know, not that many people have had the ability to, or the privilege or the access to. So, you know, I'm again, very proud of what we're building here and that we're like sort of democratizing some of these abilities for people. But with that becomes a big responsibility of, there's not, you know, this is technical and hard. This is hard stuff. So how can we make sure that people feel like they're confident in what they're doing and that our system is the right platform to do that? And so this week we really unlocked these basically intercom product tours. And Novats, I'm not sure if you want to talk about that at all, but there was a, a technical challenge to unlock this that I think is very interesting. And for anyone who's trying to build product tours in and then maybe using intercom, maybe talk about sort of how apps dynamically generate and how you, you know, what, what, also was great is where Nivedita contributed and came in and make a, a good impact on the company right away. So I'd love to hear maybe a little bit about what you saw from that side. And then uh, maybe we can just talk about, you know, how can we make sure that with this ability now to embed these product tours, how do we make these as successful as possible for our end users? Yeah, uh, so the problem with, uh, with the product tour, even on the intercom uh, uh, was, uh, because when you use the dynamic generated single page applications, uh, either React, Angular, Vue, uh, they do also generate their own classes behind the scene, uh, dynamically uh, based on when the page loads. Uh, so if you open in the inspect elements, it's very simple index.html page, nothing else, but all the components are uh, popping dynamically as you use those pages. So it, it does save a lot of loading time and stuff, but at the same time, it has pros and cons. So, uh, those are not pre-generated pages. So the, the, uh, uh, so what does that mean is, uh, so let's say if you go to the audio list, it's create that component or the HTML uh, over the fly. Uh, so we had the issue with intercom was not popping up those segments properly when you are uh, going through the tour. So first one we released was this explore inside. And sometimes the issue was found is like, if, if, if we are assigning, uh, sort of the tour to one of the drop down, it just pop up in the center of the page, uh, and that was the issue. And uh, and Tyler also spent a lot of time to create other other product tours on the app. Uh, but uh, so now Nivedita joined uh, Speak, and uh, she did spend time quite a bit uh, this week on assigning the unique classes so that we can assign. Uh, in the product, uh, in the product tool of Intercom, uh, to make sure it's always pop up. Uh, so that was the job done, and now we have all this product tool probably can go live uh, because uh, it is on the, it is live, but we just need to enable uh, from draft to there you go. Yeah. So this is the this is the, that was the little bit of demo of the of the uh, the dashboard or the homepage product tour, uh, and uh, it's very fascinating because it's it's sort of the education, uh, and at the same time uh, how you can how you can tell someone in the simple English what does that even mean. Uh, so that's the challenge. Uh, we will see how people react uh, to the product tour. Uh, what is the drop off? how much they can go to the product, I mean, you know, the, the, the flow of the product tour and uh, how we can optimize again over there, what you can learn through the process. And uh, uh, it's, it's a, a good learning lessons uh, we are going to have in the future. Similar to the, you know, the sort of outreach conversation we just had where it's like, until we put it out there, we don't know. So yep. now we've got the exactly. lesson of people having, having this. And, uh, you know, I also, 
this week we had a couple conversations where people were asking us just like what's been effective in your marketing and what I wish you know what I want to get speak to be is to the point of something like intercom like I don't know I don't know how many now office hours we've talked about intercom and sort of the value that it's created the investment we're making back into that platform because they're you know built an incredible solution um, you know it's very inspiring uh, and uh, you know again excited to sort of take this next layer of the value that um, Intercom is doing. And then again, like Vassal said, seeing where people are dropping off and learning where we're from, you know, every day, say 10, 15, 20 people signing up, you know, where where can we make this experience as smooth, as easy as possible? And after their first session, they're like, wow, this is awesome. And I'm confident now. And I'm confident to use this myself. I'm confident to recommend this to someone else. Uh, I, I would love to invite my team member to this so they can check out uh, what, I, what I've just done. So there, uh, that, it, there's a lot of good inspiration um, from even some of the systems that we've embedded into our platform today where, where we can bring, you know, hopefully speak AI to, and not just hopefully, we, we will. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. And on the education piece, uh, uh, it's not my concern, but, uh, you know, sometimes you don't want to educate someone ahead of the time. You want to educate at the right time so they can understand uh, what does this product will mean. Uh, so let's say if you pop up 10 different product tours in first two minutes, that's the overloaded education. It's like, hey, uh, let, let uh, give me a second, let me see first and, and I'll come back to the product tool uh, after that. So uh, that's the challenge. And we will see how people react to that. Uh, and they might love it, you know, it's uh, either or. So we will see. Just lastly, I guess, just different ways that people learn too, right? Like um, some people le like learn through say an experience like that, whereas you log in, you get guided through the flow. Other people are, you know, more video or visual learners where they actually want to watch a, a video walkthrough. And maybe that's a more valuable way for them to get that or some people want to read um, a well-structured blog post with um, screenshots and step-by-step -step guides to how to do it. So for us to truly succeed, we need to account for different ways that people learn uh, and making sure that our system and, and, and the way that we educate people on the system is accessible to, to everyone. And that's just, I think, something that we you know should be keeping into consideration for, for everything. Like one of the things I, we talked quickly about this before, but like Facebook slash meta, one of the things they really did well was when they would start to build something, they would think of, you know, maybe someone um, with 3G internet connection on an iPhone 4. And how does the system perform there? And because if, if you can make it perform well there, then, you know, someone who is lucky enough to have, you know, access to the latest technology, it's going to be an incredible um, experience. So, uh, and then lastly, I know we're coming at time here. That was that was Kevin uh, from Instagram. Yeah, the starting on on the two uh, G uh, when they are building the yeah. Instagram uh, before. And, and that's uh, you know, if there was one thing I know, I, I knew you would have watched that podcast as well. But when I posted, I'm like, that Vax has already seen this. I'm sure he has. But uh, Kevin from who started Instagram had an amazing podcast with Lex, and Lex got an extraordinary line of questioning. I always get excited when Lex interviews someone that I care about because I know that what he's going to bring out from that. And it's like, oh, that's the question I would have asked right there. Uh, so I'm so grateful to watch that. But some some fantastic lessons from someone who, you know, what I didn't know about him from Kevin was that he had worked at Google and Gmail before he started Instagram and then had also worked not with Twitter, but, you know, an early 
uh, Kevin, you know, uh, so, or yeah, not Kevin, Jack Dorsey. Um, but like so many lessons from that journey, you know, the, the goods, the bads. And even one of the things that's why I really loved was the conversation. It was so like maybe neat for some people, but how they, when they would upload, when they, sorry, oh, G, Gmail did this too. When they knew that when you log, came to Gmail's login screen, it was like a 99% chance that you were going to sign in. So they would start to preload the information. So when you logged in, it was like a seamless experience. And at Instagram, they knew if you were about to you know, post a story or post, not a story at the time, but just to your feed, it's like a 95% chance you would. So they would preload the image while you were writing the caption. So by the time you ripped the caption and upload, it was already done. And so it just felt like incredibly faster than everything else. And I don't exactly have any practical things for us right now, um, but it's just like, how can we take inspiration from that and, and do these things in the background that make the experience on the front end feel, feel magical? That's what a couple of things uh, have been implemented on the public media library platform, where you have no idea what is happening, uh, but I'm already preloading a lot of information uh, behind the scene. So let's say if you go to the app, if you go to the Explore Insight page, uh, and I know I'm talking uh, office hour, but if you go to the Explore, uh, Explore Insight page, there's a drop down called Insight Type. It does take 10 seconds, depends on how many categories you have, which is not preloaded. Uh, but what we are building with this public media library is all these informations are preloaded behind the scene because as soon as you log in, uh, I know that uh, you are going to, of course, accessing this information. Otherwise, you won't, you're not going to have this URL uh, accessible. Uh, so that's what we are already implemented on this uh, very small piece of information. But it's very important, right? Because you want to go, oh, I want to go to the topics or I want to go the action items. Uh, I don't care about the keywords, why are you populating behalf of me, right? So uh, just trying to learn and quickly implement it uh, for, to, for the better user experience because that just completely makes sense. Especially as more and more media piles up and there's a lot of data to sift through, right? And, uh, we, you know, we'll continue to, we're sort of like um, secretly talking about this sort of public shareable media library. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll talk more about this as it continues to get released in the wild, but truly was, uh, you know, I don't know, I just had a revelation on on uh, Thursday walking through that, that's all just like so many pieces that we had taken over these years to put together something that it's just, I don't know, I just find beautiful. And, you know, it's a sim something as simple as like, you know, even changing the colors of the visualizations to match the brand and what that means to our customers. Or, you know, as what one of the options that you showed was like, with the right, with their DNS settings, we can actually route this through your domain so that it's truly yours. You know what I mean? You feel this is yours and the power that that has to unlock now um, for our clients and users, like really great moment and just something that, you know, inspires and pushes me forward, even as we, you know, as we continue to grow and want to see like, or like, how do we differentiate or what are we doing different? And, and, you know, it just has another layer of confidence, I guess, in my back pocket or something where it's like, we are proud of this. There is no other system doing this. And, uh, you know, we can't break, can't wait to bring that into the world. So thank you again, Vassal, for all your work. I know that was a lot, um, but, uh, you know, came together. It was a lot. Very uh, clean. It was a fun yes. at the same time. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so we're at the one. Anything else um, uh, before we uh, log off? This was uh, another great uh, office hours here. All good. Oh, uh, thumbs up, Mihal. <laughs>
uh, ho- hope everyone's learned something uh, new out of the pod. I mean, after out, out of the pod. Uh, so that's another thing we wanted to see is like you know, even even if we are four are talking, uh, we get at least one thing out of this one hour of investment uh, uh, as a person. It's like you know, learning something new. Uh, so yeah, uh, I hope you 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 guys have learned something new out of this pod. I would, yeah, I would just say I really appreciated, you know, that's what just like the little was quick, but like the little talk to about your thoughts around over engineering at the start, right? Like there's a, you have built, you know, to me, a, I mean, a very credible portfolio of work you've done and a lot of experience through, you know, working in big companies and now, in, you know, in, at SPKI and just a passionate learner who continues to evolve. And so, you know, even something like that, I like encourage us to do, I know we're trying to make it more conversational, but if someone has something they really care about and they want to do a five minute little mini presentation. Um, I think that would be, you know, very, very valuable thing. And I also, one of the other things that came out of that gong HubSpot conversation was every start of the month, they invite um, some of their like major customers in and they actually just have like an hour and a half meeting with those customers and ask like, how can we serve you better? So how can we build that into what we're doing here? And we've, you know, had people on this, on the office hours before, so that's the highest level of someone comes and talks to us during these office hours and we walk through these things and we've had Ben and we've had Alfred and some great people, Justin, come on and do that. But uh, even more, how could we gather maybe a little bit more feedback every week for these office hours and then, um, you know, share that out back through intercom or through email. So um, people know that we care about what they're asking or the, the questions or, you know, even if it's intercom messages that are coming up every week why don't we take a list of those, document them, and then sort of address those, you know, one by one or something, or just figure, figure out that. So this is more, more valuable for people who are using the platform today, people who are thinking about using the platform, and maybe people who have just stumbled across, you know, office hours or speak AI for the first time and are trying to figure out what, what we're, what we're actually doing here. Like a nice little Q&A session. We should open up these uh, calls to more like customers, see who actually wants to join, make it make like a a public Zoom call or something. Yeah. All right. Okay. This is fun. Uh, all right. Uh, everyone, have a good uh, have a good weekend. I'm gonna pick up my little friend here. He'll say he's having a little sleep. Uh, but he had a good time with the first office hours. Anything? He's learning a lot. He's learning a lot. lot. Sitting next to your battery. I hope he's an engineer or a data scientist. Uh, <laughs> He's gonna be smart. Whenever you need any anything, he's gonna find it out for you. You know. Uh, okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. All right. Thank you.